Welcome to the Select Star Podcast, your resource for innovative technology, developer topics, and more. Here's your host, Margo McCabe from the Harper DB team. All right, so we are live. So welcome everyone to the Select Star Podcast, your resource for innovative tech and developer topics. Um, thanks for tuning in. We have another exciting guest today, Zoe Knox, and I'm super excited to connect with you. I know you're you're busy and you're just kind of coming off of a, a vacation, so definitely appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today. Hey, Margo. I'm really glad we were able to connect as well. I know it was a bit of a struggle to get the scheduling down, so uh, thank you so much for having me on and, and working around all of the scheduling difficulties. Oh, no worries. Um, yeah, I'm super excited to be here. So I guess um, a little bit about me uh, to start. Um, yeah. So I am, uh, I've been a, in, working in the software development field since, I guess, the late 90s now, kind of an old lady at this point. Um, <laughs> and, um, so I started out when... Uh, I guess, you know, broadband was just kind of becoming a big thing. And um, I, I have always been interested in the potential of, um, you know, the internet as a connection tool and how it, it links people together from across the world. So that was, I guess that was fairly formative for me, you know, at the beginning of my career. And it's, it's been a bit of a theme ever since. Um, and maybe we get into that a little bit later when we talk about some of my kind of personal uh, interests and um, and other things. But um, there's definitely an intersection here with me between sort of technology and activism that I think has has played a big role and um, that informs a lot of the work I do, especially in open source, which is an area that I've been really passionate about. So. Um, Professional background, I guess, uh, you know, I started um, working at an ISP in the late 90s and then kind of went through a series of uh, development and development management roles in in various companies, um, mostly in Canada. Um, I'm based in uh, in Canada's capital, the city of Ottawa, uh, so they've been mostly here and I'm currently the uh, head of engineering at the OpenNMS group. Awesome. Um, and do you mind, in case people aren't familiar, do you mind sharing a little bit about the Open NMS group and and you know what? Oh, you guys absolutely. Do there. <laughs> yeah. So the Open NMS group is uh, is very cool, and I only discovered them a couple of years ago now. Um, and I am very fortunate to have done that, in my view. Um, so OpenNMS is uh, the world's first fully open source enterprise network monitoring platform, um, which is quite a mouthful, and I can. <laughs> break that down a little bit. Um, we say world's first because it was the first project, the first open source kind of enterprise focused network monitoring um, project. Uh, it's been on, I think it was on SourceForge first. Uh, it's been around since the end of 1999. Uh, so it's a very mature product at this point. Um, we just keep extending it with new capabilities. And its focus really is um, networking equipment and network protocols. So as opposed to other um, you know, network monitoring and server monitoring um, types of platforms, we really focus on getting deep into the, the interconnects and the networking and, and uh, you know, seeing the net flows and all that kind of cool stuff. So um, that's what OpenNMS does. Um, get some cool stuff happening right now with relating to moving some of that stuff into cloud services. So it's a very exciting time. Okay, very cool. And so as 
as VP of engineering, are you, are you leading a team at the moment? You know, what are you, what are you mainly focusing on right now? Um, as we kind of crazy to say it, but get close to the fourth quarter of the year. <laughs> right. It's, it's been crazy. <laughs> I know. I feel like <laughs> these years have both dragged and flown by in some ways. And it's really weird. Um, I know the time is, it's one of those things where sometimes the days drag, but then when you look at you know what month it is it's like what wait right i'm like how is <laughs> it happened? september <laughs> yeah it's nuts. seems like it was just may uh yeah I know. <laughs> so, so what am i doing well my main focus right now to be honest is uh hiring which has been okay. a real struggle um we've been growing really rapidly over the last year year and a half um again as we kind of ramp up to build out these cloud services that we're pivoting into and um, I've been frantically building up engineering teams in in a bunch of different areas. Um, okay. I think that is that is really the big struggle for I think everyone at this point is hiring good talent and then keeping them because there's just so many opportunities out there all of a sudden. So. Yeah, I know that that's interesting. We're actually hiring for a couple um, engineering roles at Harper DB as well, and it seems like all of a sudden, just over the past few weeks or, or month or so, I'm just, I'm every single day, I'm seeing people posting about open roles. And so, um, I mean, it's good to see that and good to see that companies are growing and, and are hiring and, you know, people looking have a lot of options, but um, I, I, I agree. It seems like there's so many people looking right now. <laughs> oh, definitely. And I, I don't know, you know, if it's changed too much in other places, but certainly like in Canada, we noticed a huge increase in uh, demand for engineers. And I think it's because, you know, they can work at all these different companies remotely now. Right. Um, so it, it really, uh, it really has been difficult in some ways to hire folks. Right. Yeah. Well, Hey, that's good for, for anyone that's listening, reach out to Zoe. If you're, if you're looking for an engineering role, um, Absolutely, it's always good to help spread the word. <laughs> Very cool. And so, so yeah, I'd, I'd be curious to touch a little bit on um, what you mentioned earlier about kind of the intersection that you've worked in and, and operated in between activism and, and technology. I think, um, you know, I've, I've followed you on Twitter. I've seen you posting definitely about interesting things over the past few months or so, um, interesting topics, bringing awareness to different things, which I think is one thing that's so great about social media. And I'm curious about um, how those things intersect for you. I think maybe some people see it separately. Um, some people probably see technology as kind of their professional life and an area they work in and maybe activism as um, a separate movement. And I'm, I'm interested in kind of the intersection of those two things. Sure. And it's, I mean, it's complicated, so I might not do a great job of explaining it, but um, no I worry. Guess, but you can edit this, right? So, um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I guess at its core, I have always sort of believed in the idea that, um, you know, technology will definitely change the world, but it can change the world in good ways. Um, and, right. you know, this is this is an attitude, I guess, that that people had sort of the middle of the last century and up until more recently, we all kind of thought, yeah, technology and science are great. They're going to improve our lives. They're going to change the world. And then more recently, you know, we've kind of seen the dark side of technology a little bit. And, and I feel like some of the shine has maybe come off for some people, but um, 
you know, we've, we've seen like data breaches and, and ransomware attacks and like, uh, you know, data collection at an unprecedented scale and, and some of that stuff. So, you know, there's definitely the dark side of it, but I still believe that it's um, fundamentally a force that can be used for good things. Um, so where it intersects, I guess, with, with activism and sort of my personal passions is that I've always seen it as a tool that can connect groups of people that otherwise would never meet and never be connected. And it's, it's amazing what kind of stuff can come out of that. Um, a few years ago, we heard from um, a family that was living in Northern Europe. Um, and one of them had just come out as transgender and they were facing a fair bit of discrimination. Um, we actually hosted them here in Canada in our house for um, a year while they tried to um, pursue a refugee claim, which unfortunately was ultimately not successful. But um, this is the kind of amazing connection that I don't think would ever have happened, you know, without the internet and without technology to facilitate that sort of thing. Um, and I, I, maybe that's not a great example since it didn't you know, work out as well as it could have for them. But it's it's just the kind of stuff that really, I guess, gives me kind of hope that we can do some great things still. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's a really interesting example and, and great way to look at it. I mean, you bring up a good point of um, people are definitely getting a little bit more cynical and maybe more nervous of the things that technology can do. And, you know, people joke about like robots and, and all of this stuff and, um, you know, as with as with anything that grows and becomes more advanced and more popular, there's always going to be people that take advantage of it and hackers and things like that. But I still, I agree with you that for the most part, I think it's still um, being used for good and just for general advancement of you know health and and way of life and things like that. And that's a, a really great point you bring up of just kind of the connectivity that we now have on a global scale and the fact that you know you were able to connect with someone that had a very unique challenge and need and um, able to at least house them and I'm sure help them even if it didn't work out you know that was out of your control but there's there's cases like that where it's so interesting that people can reach out to all these different communities online and meet with people that are struggling with similar things that they're struggling with and realize that they're not alone I think um, you know while the virtual world is in some ways making social interaction stranger because we see all these kids constantly on their phone and everything but in other ways um, I think it's promoting interaction because it's connecting people, as you said. So I think that's that's a really cool example. Yeah, it's an interesting time, I think, because it does connect all sorts of people in both, you know, kind of in in positive ways and, and in negative ways, right? Like I think right. in, in some cases it has given, uh, you know, small groups of people spread out across the world a voice. Um, and that is is great when it's you know people connecting with others who are like them that they probably would never meet in real life. But you know some of those groups have been uh, you know less than desirable, right? And and we've seen the effect of some of that stuff too. Um, right. I, I won't get political. I promise. But, you know, <laughs> I think I, <laughs> I, no I think there has definitely been been a dark side of you know putting together many spread out small voices just as there's been a positive side and right um yeah technology to me is not good or evil it's just a tool so how we use it is what matters right um, 
That's a really good point. Um, yeah, I think that's that's really interesting. And so do you do you also see, you know, intersections of that in the open source world? I know you've been involved, you said, in different open source communities. Um, and of course, now with, with your current role, you know, do you feel, do you, you know, what are your thoughts on just kind of open source versus not in those types of communities and how um, you can also be using those types of technologies for good? Because I think that's another cool example of just collaboration and providing different tools, so many different tools out there for, you can pretty much find a plugin or resource or, you know, connector for anything that you need now because of the open source community. And so I think that's another example of, um, I don't know if I would call it activism, but just another example of people coming together for kind of a greater good and providing resources for each other. Uh, totally, yeah. I'm a big fan of the open source world in general. Um, you know, I think when I started my career, it was, uh, you know, Linux was getting popular and it was, you know, just before kind of the big dot-com boom around 2000. Um, and I've learned so much, you know, from open source um, in my role as a developer that I, I really want to give back as much as I can in that as well. Um, so that's, that's partly why I was so excited to be able to go and work for a company that, you know, actually is doing open source. Um, but yeah, there, there's great examples of projects that, you know, really bring out the best in people and have created some amazing things. You know, the Linux kernel, it's one of them. Um, Apache is a great example. I think Firefox is a great example. You know, there's a lot of really cool um, projects out there that have really built the foundation of the world that we use every day, right? Um, you know, we wouldn't have half of the, the technology that we use and take for granted if these projects didn't exist. Right. Um, and I think as far as it being good, I mean, again, technology, it's not good or bad, but yeah. um, I really love the open source aspect because it is open. You know, no one can ever take that code away from you um, and you're not locked in to anything in particular. So there's a huge amount of power and, and freedom there, um, which I think sometimes is not appreciated uh, as much as the you know $0 price tag that we, we all kind of look at, right? When we're talking right. about open source, but um, you know, fundamentally it being open source means you can take it and modify it and, and do whatever you want to with it. And even if the project itself goes away, you are still there with your source code and someone else can pick it up and keep going. So, you know, I don't, I've certainly been in situations where we've had proprietary software or cloud services or things like that, that have gone away. And, right. You know, then you're stuck, right? Because maybe you can get your data out of it. Maybe, you know, maybe there's another service that's equivalent or that you can import it into and maybe there isn't. And, right. you know, that that's just a huge advantage in my view for, for, code that's open and available to everyone. Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a really good way to look at it. And that, that makes sense. And it's just, um, it's so interesting to see the different ways that people do collaborate and work together on different types of open source projects. And I think um, just for the time that I've been in the tech community and it's, um, it's just really awesome to see, you know, people supporting each other, posting comments, challenges, things like that, like just kind of working off of each other. And um, posting their code and getting tips and things like that. I think open source is really a good um, driver of that and kind of tool for getting people to collaborate more than they maybe would um, in a different scenario. So I think those are interesting points. Um, one, one thing I'm also curious about just 
you know, I always like to ask people in a similar position as you that have a pretty well-established career. And as you said, have um, extensive experience, have been in the tech world for a while. Are there looking back at your journey and, um, you know, different decisions you've made and kind of how you got to where you are today. Do you have any sort of challenges that you've had to overcome or, um, you know, tips for people that might be wanting to get to a similar position as you, or just kind of like pivotal points in your career, um, things like that. I think it's always interesting to hear people's personal journeys in that sense. Um, sure. Yeah. I think, my journey has probably been a little bit atypical in a lot of ways. Um, I don't think I followed a fairly traditional path in that sense. Um, That's okay. <laughs> and I certainly have bounced between like taking on management and leadership roles and then getting really sick of it and going back to doing coding for a while. And I think that's okay. probably pretty relatable to a lot of people, but yeah, um, it's, it's not typically the path that one takes to uh, you know a VP level position. So I think um, I I took this role because it, you know it was needed and it was offered to me and I do have the skills for it, but it it isn't necessarily something I wanted to take. I think is is probably the bottom line. Um, I think if you do want to take something like this career planning is really important. Um, whether you, you know, believe in it or not, it, it is something that um, most executive leadership does believe in, in my experience. And, you know, it's something that they're going to be looking for to see that you're serious about where you want to get to and that you have a plan to get there. So I think, you know, that that's probably number one as far as tips that I can offer. Um, and I think the other, the other thing maybe that I'll just mention is um, it, it is, it can be really fun. Um, you know, it can be, I really find it rewarding in a lot of ways because I, I'm able to really help shape the organization and the organization's culture and, uh, you know, make sure that, that our workers get what they need and, uh, you know, are empowered to do the best that they can and you know that I'm supporting them and you know there's a lot of really rewarding kind of big feels that come along with that um, at the same time though it's definitely not an easy job and uh, you know I think if you're if you're thinking about trying to move up to a level like this you know you should really just be aware of that and uh, it is not um, is not always a fun place to be Right. Yeah. It depends how you feel about spreadsheets and budgets. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I think um, a lot of people probably, you know, as you said, there's there's not with most types of jobs and, and roles, there's not always such a linear path. And maybe people early in their dev career are thinking like, OK, I want to become senior developer. I want to become VP of engineering and just keep moving up. But um, it doesn't that always doesn't have to be the way that it moves. I think people should really analyze, as you said, do they want to manage a team? Do they want to move out of actually doing coding and, um, you know, up, up one step further than that and dealing with more logistics and spreadsheets and things? Um, or do they want to be more of an independent contributor? And so I think things like that are probably really important to analyze because it's not always just about like moving straight up and getting a better title and things like that. There's so many different directions you can take and um, especially now with so many options and um, people aren't as expected as much anymore to stay at one company for so long. So I think that there's a lot more opportunity to kind of 
find what really works and, and fits your skill set. Yeah, exactly that. And I think, you know, it's really important that companies have kind of a technical track and the management track because, you know, I know that when I kind of got to the top of my engineering ladder at one company, I was kind of like, well, what now? Right. And, um, it's not like I don't like management. I mean, I do. It, as I said, it can be very rewarding, but, you know, there are days for sure. I just want to hide in my IDE and work on my pet projects. Right. Because um, it, it can be just a lot of headaches and some people love management. And I think that, you know, that that's awesome. Um, but I think a lot of us kind of do it because we're okay at it. <laughs> Somebody right. has to do it. Right. So, um, I guess, I guess just know yourself is probably my best advice. Um, there's certainly nothing wrong with wanting to pursue a career where you make it all the way to the top and it can be rewarding in a lot of different ways, you know, both personally and financially and everything else, but, um, you just understand what you're going for. Right. Yeah, I, I know exactly. It's, um, our, our CTO has joked before when I've chatted with him about his path, about how when, you know, our founders first created HarperDB that he was kind of thrown into a management position and didn't enjoy it or didn't think he was good at it or wanted to do it, but just had to kind of figure it out on the fly because he was just the most qualified and someone had to do it. And I mean, now he's awesome at it, but it's exactly what you said. Sometimes people just want to put their head down and just, um, you know, work on their own projects. And so, it's definitely something for people to remember that when you are managing even one person up to however big your team is, it's a, it's a whole different ball game. So I think that's interesting. Um, speaking of your pet projects that you mentioned, do you have any, are you working on any interesting personal projects or any, anything outside of, you know, your main work right now? I am actually. Yeah. So, um, I'm always kind of hacking on something. Um, you know, we have traditionally at work had this event called Dev Jam, which we haven't done uh, in person, obviously, the last couple of years, but um, we normally do it in, in um, Minnesota, the University of Minnesota. And so okay. we had a virtual one last year. Okay. And um, yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, we held it inside of a Minecraft server. So that was really fun and was the first time a lot of people had even played the game so it was kind of an adventure um so for that i i created this uh, virtual network operations center inside the game and we linked it up to um, some real world data sources and then you could you know you could go to this particular spot in the game world and look around and there were um you know screens on the walls that were showing like real graphs with real data from our network and stuff like that so that was a cool little project wow, um, yeah it was really fun um <laughs> i actually gave a talk at um uh, grafana's observability con on that one so if, if anyone's curious you can go find that um very cool but more recently i've been working on this um this open source um I don't want to say clone, but certainly operating system that's been heavily inspired by Apple's Mac OS um, and it's called Eric's. Um, so that is where I'm spending a lot of my time right now. Um, the idea behind it basically is to develop all of the same um, APIs and tooling and stuff and uh, make an open source operating system that's actually Mac compatible uh, in terms of being able to you know, build and run software that that was written for the Mac. So that that's where I'm currently doing a lot of interesting hacking. And it's, okay, it's really, well. it's really cool, because it's touching all different areas, you know, everything from kind of like kernel and tool chain and um, 
you know, low level kind of stuff like that, right up into, um, you know, menus and desktop and application and packaging and, and literally kind of everything. So it's, I don't know, it's kind of yeah. the ultimate challenge, I guess, for me. Yeah, it sounds like you have your hands full, that's for sure. <laughs> Uh, yeah, for sure. There's no shortage of projects and work. That's for right. Sure. How did you, you know, get into that project or decide that that's something you wanted to work on? Is that something you've been, um, you know, you noticed there's a need for and just have been wanting to do that for a while? Or I'm just, I'm always curious about how people's kind of creative process works of what am I going to spend my, my precious time working on now? <laughs> uh, definitely. Yeah. So I've always really been fascinated by you know, the low level of computers, operating systems and hardware drivers and interfacing and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I think that's because when I grew up, you know, PCs were just kind of becoming a big thing. And, right. you know, when I learned to program, it was, operating systems were pretty rudimentary. So um, I learned a lot about that kind of stuff and it's always fascinated me. Um, so this project actually really started as a kind of because I can thing. Um, we had had a conversation, a friend and I had had a conversation about Apple just moving away from Intel. Um, they had just announced that, that shift at the time. And we were kind of joking around about um, giving our Intel MacBooks a longer life by building, you know, an open source compatible operating system. Okay. Um, so that was kind of the genesis of it. And yeah. um, also, I just feel like a lot of people have sort of tried to make something that looks a little bit like a Mac, you know, KDE or GNOME or something. They kind of look Mac-like, um, right. but under the covers, they're very different and they're not nearly as, um, I guess, stitched together and, and usable and seamless. Um, you know, and kind of simultaneously, I love Apple, but some of the directions they've gone recently, not so great in my view. Um, you know, I don't want my laptop to be a tablet I guess let's just say that. Um, so I was really kind of interested in could we actually make, you know, something that is more or less compatible enough that I can run software that would be useful to me in my daily life, right? And feels as well engineered and you know uh, seamless and coherent as macOS does, uh, but be fully open source and free and just out there. Um, so that's that was kind of where it started and um it just it got i think posted on hacker news not too long ago which means everybody oh, sort of cool. got interested in it so uh, i was not ready for that not at all um <laughs> so it just kind of exploded but now i actually have some people working on it with me so it worked out well well that's awesome yeah i was just going to ask it sounds like a project where it'd be fun and probably super helpful to have some collaboration on it anyway and it's obviously solving a challenge that other people are interested in and excited about. So um, that's really cool to hear about. Um, and congrats on the Hacker News publishing. I, I'll have to go look that up. Thank you. I'm I'm sometimes bad at keeping up. I, I love Hacker News. I know I follow them on different channels, but I'm sometimes bad at actually, there's so much info and so many different articles to read every day. <laughs> I sometimes have- Oh, a hard that's exactly it. Awesome. Yeah, we're just, we're all swamped with information. So it's I know, really hard seriously. to keep up. <laughs> I know. And then sometimes it's hard to um, differentiate between kind of like opinion pieces. And then, I mean, 
not necessarily difficult, but just sometimes people post something as if they're, you know, proposing fact, but it's actually more of an opinion piece, even when it comes to technology. So that's been something I've been um, definitely trying to weed through of, you know, you can't just believe it just because someone proposes this really believable argument with research, actually go check the research and things like that. But that's a whole nother discussion. That, yeah, that's a, that is a big can of worms, right? I know. But important topic. I know. I think it's a really good point to say, like, you know, everything we see online looks very credible, right? Um, right. And, and not all of it is. So I know well, it's, it's, it's like that with any information. I mean, I'm, I like to, I'm big into listening to podcasts and um, I, my husband and I are expecting, we have a little boy due in about a month from now. And so I've been, and it's our first. And so I've been listening to so many parenting podcasts. My husband keeps being like, you can't just believe everything you hear just because there was one doctor on one podcast saying these really strong opinions. You have to also do research on the other side. And it's just kind of a funny reminder that I, I keep telling myself because you hear one argument and you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, like yeah, that with absolutely. anything. <laughs> And first of all, congratulations. Oh, thank That's you. Awesome. Yeah, um, we actually have four kids and they're all they're all thankfully pretty much grown up at this point. Oh, wow. My youngest is almost 15. Oh, OK, wow. So, yeah, you're definitely yeah. out of the weeds. I mean, teenagers can be hard, but you're out of the weeds with at least mm -hmm. the the little kid challenges and diaper changes and things like that that I'm oh, exactly. a little nervous but about. <laughs> I, I remember that stuff and like we didn't there weren't podcasts really so much there were blogs and lots of magazines and stuff but like you know all that conflicting information is out there right this is the right. best way to parent and then six <laughs> months later is no this is the best way to parent i know so it's I know, kind I of just, crazy i keep reminding myself how long people have been doing this throughout history and that you know generally it usually works out okay if you have good intentions but I'm curious, having four pretty much grown kids, do you, you know, do they show an interest in getting into the tech world with kind of your background? Does that inspire them to, to follow a similar path? And, you know, just because there's so much opportunity there now, or? It's, it's really interesting, actually. So when they were younger, they all kind of thought, you know, this might be something they wanted to do. And I don't yeah. know, um, as they got older, they discovered other interests. And so, no, I think like one of them had kind of planned to go into maybe game development. Um, okay. He's very creative, like he's a musician, an artist, and, and um, you know, uh, has a lot of passions that way. Um, but, you know, he ended up just not doing it because he doesn't he doesn't really have the interest in in the you know computer science kind of side of it um so he was doing marketing and then he's now looking at maybe going into environmental science he's really passionate about that so oh, cool. um yeah very different path um my uh my other uh, 18 year old is uh just he's just finished um studying to be an audio engineer so they're looking to okay yeah, get a job at a studio somewhere and, uh, yeah. and produce music. So, yeah, they're definitely more on the the creative side, I think, than the you know I'm going to write code all day. Right. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. It's there's there's so many different types of engineering anyway, and I think um, I it's probably you know it's cool to have you as a resource there for for that if they ever decide to change their mind. I mean, I see people constantly posting like, I'm in my thirties, I'm in my forties and I just decided to learn to code. But, um, you know, 
it's it's so it's so fun to see people go through that, those stages of um, what their passions are and what they want to do and um, what they want to study and, and try out for their first careers and everything. So I'm always curious about that. That sounds sounds like you've got a, a good group on your hands. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, we've tried to just support them in whatever their interests were, you know, right. <laughs> no pressure guys, no pressure, just find something that you like that will mostly pay your bills and you don't hate it. Right. So, right. <laughs> um, it's fine. Like whatever they're into, um, good for them. Yeah, I know. It's, it's all you can hope for. You can't control it too much. I think um, my husband and I were just talking about that the other night because he's in the ski industry and we're based in Colorado. And I was like, what if, you know, what if our kids don't like skiing? <laughs> What's going to happen? And, you know, we can't panic. You can't force that. I think the more you try to force passions on people, the more they go the other way. So um, as you said, just supporting them in, in whatever their passions are is probably the best way to do it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm certainly no expert at parenting, but you know, I think I think they've turned out okay. So yeah, <laughs> but definitely support and love and just kind of um, you know letting them be their own people. I think is important. Yeah, um, exactly. There's nothing in my view worse than you know trying to live a life of somebody that you're not, and that that's just a recipe for misery. So I never wanted to force them into any particular box. Yeah, well, that's. That's really good advice. I, I like that. And I know, I know I got us off on a little bit of a tangent here on parenting, but um, no, that's really interesting. I saw actually on your Twitter that you were a mom of four. So I think that's, that's really cool to hear about, but um, bringing it back to kind of the tech talk a little bit. One thing I, um, I also think is always fun to ask chatting with people is if there's any other tools or technologies that you're really excited about right now. I mean, things that are you know, whether it's new frameworks or software that's recently come out or that you've recently discovered something that's making your life easier, just kind of like things that are on your radar over the past couple of months or that are coming out in the next few months. Um, I always, it's a really fun way for me to learn about different things that are happening. Cause as we said, there's so much going on. Sure. Let me think for a sec. I mean, there's always so much stuff out there. It's, it's I know. hard to keep up with it, but um, <laughs> so I guess actually one, one kind of trend that has been really exciting for me. And I, I wish I'd had more time to kind of get into this. I haven't been able to look at it as, as much as I'd like, but it's um, like decentralized and distributed systems that have been popping up. So I don't know if you've seen any of this stuff, um, but there's things like um, IPFS is like a distributed file system layer. Um, uh, there's um, there's a browser out there, it's called Beaker, I think. Um, and it it is basically uh, a web browser that uses a decentralized protocol. Um, there's a bunch of this stuff now that's that's happening and it's all based on kind of like peer-to-peer -peer networks and ad hoc, you know, self-organized networks of nodes. Um, so first of all, you know, as a network person, like I'm really geeking out over all of that stuff and, and the fact that these, these systems kind of come up and come together, sort of like, you know, a BitTorrent network publishes these hashes and, and then everybody can find each other. Um, so very similar, right? These systems come up and they're online and then you can connect to them with these decentralized protocols. Um, I find this stuff really fascinating because, you know, right now our internet is built around these giant commercial carriers and hosting companies. And, um, Although there's nothing wrong with that, and hey, I love capitalism as much as the next person, um, 
you know, originally the internet was meant to be very peer to peer, right? And that right. everybody who was on it was equal in terms of being able to, you know, publish and host and create and everything else. And I think what we've really seen in the past couple of decades is that, you know, the the model has become much more kind of producer consumer almost like you know cable tv or something was in the sense that there's a you know there's a group of companies that really produce the content and host the content and the rest of us are just kind of consuming it and these technologies kind of flip it back around on its head uh, to the point where every computer suddenly is an equal host on these decentralized networks and nobody really has any central control over it. Right. So I just find that really, really interesting. And I think potentially really empowering um, in a sense that that um, you, you start to take the power away from these, you know, large ISPs and commercial outfits that are running things today. So I don't know. I, I don't know where it's going to go, but it's definitely an interesting topic. Yeah, no, I think it's it's funny that you bring that up because that's definitely um, something that I've focus on and do research on a lot, um, kind of more on the database side of things, since that's obviously the world that, that we're in at HarperDB. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, like my colleague recently wrote a really interesting article on the problem with centralized databases and how um, there's such bottlenecks with data storage when it comes to big, large data centers. And just kind of, at, just as you said, but just, you know, in a different area, the kind of decentralization of, of databases and being able to distribute software um, to fix latency challenges and um, network and security and performance issues and things like that. So I think, I think the topic, the overarching topic is definitely important right now. And I'm seeing people talking about it more and more. So um, when you brought that up, I was like, oh yeah, I've, that's something I read about a lot right now. So I, I bet it is. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a, it's a good one to focus on. I think um, it's one of those sort of trends where having large centralized servers and other types of centralized software was working for a while, but it's not anymore. And so I think a lot of companies are realizing that um, they need to make a change in order to keep up with, with what the needs are. So it's interesting to see more and more people kind of talking about it. Yeah, it's fascinating stuff. And I think, you know, we we had a huge shift with, you know, cloud over the past, um, I don't know, 10 years or so, probably, right? And into from like big central servers into more like, you know, containerized swarms, serverless functions, all this kind of stuff. And, and that stuff's really cool, but, you know, it's still ultimately running in some big data center somewhere. Uh, right. You know, or a bunch of big data centers somewhere. And, I find it really fascinating that you know we're starting to see these these kind of decentralized no control type of protocols that you could run that kind of stuff on and it'll just find a host and run and come back with the results and that that to me right. is just so interesting um, <laughs> i know it is it's it's really cool the the whole peer-to-peer -peer architecture that i remember first reading about years ago is um it's just really it's it's just it's so crazy what smart people can come up with to solve different challenges it's um i really admire being able to be surrounded by so many smart people and and learn about all these different things that are happening um it's as you said it's people are doing good with technology and it's cool to see the solutions that are popping up um very cool well hey i know we're kind of coming up on our our last few minutes is there um and this has been 
definitely interesting. And I, I love hearing about your unique journey, as you said, and um, kind of tips and things like that for people listening. And is there anything that you would want to leave us off with? I mean, not to put you on the spot or anything, but um, anything else you want to share, anything you're excited about that's coming um, really, really anything at all. It's been, it's been super fun chatting. Definitely. Uh, wow, I, I do feel a little on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> I know, sorry. Um, I don't I'm like, what are your think... parting words? <laughs> well, my parting words are I'm terrible at, at being spontaneous and speaking on the spot. Um, I don't actually think there's anything I can really leave you with, except um, I really appreciate the chance to chat with you today. I think it's been a great conversation and hopefully your listeners will find it interesting and that I don't come across like too much of a doofus. Um, <laughs> no, not at all. Do, so. <laughs> no, and of course, and, and we'll include, you know, in um, the description links to your social, are there any other communities that, that you're involved in or, you know, places where you um, post or, you know, links that we should include where people can find you? Uh, it's mostly Twitter and uh, they can find pretty much everything through there. I think I generally post links to my projects and stuff. Um, GitHub, I guess, is the other big one. You can put okay, my, uh... cool. I'll be sure to include that link as well. well. Well, hey, thank you so much then for taking time to chat. It was really great to meet you and um, hope you enjoy the weekend kind of coming off your vacation and um, really appreciate your time and we'll just be in touch. Thank you so much, Margot. It's been a pleasure chatting with you good one. Thanks for listening to Select Star, your resource for innovative technology and developer topics. You can find our episodes in all the usual places, Spotify, Apple, Google, RSS, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, comment, subscribe, and share. You can learn more about HarperDB at harperdb.io.